welcome to the Mommy Mentor Podcast. This parenting bullshit is hard, am I right? From sleepless nights with newborns to sleepless nights with teens, from potty training to sending them off to college, I'm here to get you through it all as your Mommy Mentor. My name is Erin Kennedy Health, and I'm a registered nurse and a mom of three. I have professional experience with moms and babies as a postpartum nurse, which keeps the postpartum and newborn experience fresh in my mind. And I have 17 years of parenting experience as well. For information on this podcast and more, go to mommymentorpodcast.com. Parents, grab a cup of whatever you prefer and settle in for the next episode. Hello, everyone. I have a special guest this episode. She is very smart. She is a hospice and palliative certified family nurse practitioner. And if you don't know what that is, don't worry, I'm going to ask her. I was inspired already to do an episode on pregnancy loss, and she then messaged me and I said, let's do this episode together. It is Meredith Goodwin. (laughs) I just wanted to ask you, what is your role as a palliative family nurse practitioner? What do you do? So... As a hospice and palliative nurse practitioner, I was on a hospice team. I would go into patient homes and help manage symptoms that come with the dying process. So with hospice and palliative, this is when a patient has to qualify for hospice. Two doctors have to agree that they would not be surprised if the patient would pass away within six months. And then if it's okay with the family, they can do hospice in which we would do no aggressive interventions, right? So they could still go to the hospital if they want to, but then they'd come off of hospice care. If they decide to stay with us, then we just manage symptoms. We don't do anything aggressively Mm life-saving. And my role as the provider was primarily to manage pain, to manage breathing symptoms, to help the family recognize when a patient was moving into the next stage of this process and to help prepare them and talk them through grief and connect them with resources and Mm. all of that. (laughs) So I did that both virtually and in patients' homes. I see. I was a postpartum nurse. I still do that part-time and I am now a care coordinator. So at a hospital and it's an oncology unit. So, um, I, I send people home with home care, but my coworker, the social worker, she does Mm -hmm. a lot of hospice placement. So I have dabbled in a little bit of hospice placement. So I kind of know a lot about the rules that you just talked about, which It seems crazy to have to talk about rules with hospice and end-of-life care, but that is our system. Yep, that's how, how it goes, unfortunately. <laughs> yes, yes. But yeah. um, primarily, I, w- I would like to focus on what kinds of things would you do for the family, like emotionally support and what resources would you give them? So the resources side of things, I always like to go very factual, very what to expect, anticipatory guidance. Having been a family member of somebody on hospice myself, especially as a child, I lost my father when I was 14 to cancer. And um, when nobody is telling you what to expect and nobody is walking you through what is going to come next, it gets very anxiety provoking. It's very scary. And mm-hmm. not everybody wants to know, right? But the first thing that I always ask family is like, do you want to talk about what's coming next? Let's talk about what we see right here and what this means. And do you want to know what what comes next and how we prepare for that? Gone from my site is a 
hospice book that's written by a hospice nurse who has 50 years. Any any nurse anywhere knows Bill Gosman from saying it's in it's in school. It's a, you know we talk about it all the time, but it's very simple. It's very uh, basic reading level. It's easy to understand, um, and it it does a very good job generalizing the four stages of the dying process. Mm-hmm. Recommend that to everybody. <laughs> the other things that I would resources that I would give to families. A lot of times, like the LNUC website is good at at individualizing symptoms and symptom management. Mm -hmm. Um, In my organization, we have symptom management cards, which say individually pain, shortness of breath, anxiety, constipation, all the things that we really focus on in hospice and what tools you have as a family or caregiver to manage those things. It's really helpful to a family. Mm -hmm. As far as the grieving process goes for families, um, really depends on what stage of life the patient or their family are in, right? If you have a grandmother who's the primary caregiver of grandkids, that's a whole different deal than somebody with adult children who we were expecting this. Grandma's had dementia for, you know, five years. And mm-hmm. so that gets really individualized by family. Yes. Uh, we do a lot of connecting people to group support groups. We do a lot of connecting people to volunteer caregivers just to offload caregiver burden and caregiver stress. We have a bereavement coordinator who has a PhD in divinity and she's like the coolest person I know. Mm. And she, (laughs) she does a really good job with the kids. You know, she brings books and she'll sit down and she'll talk to them. And also understanding where a family is coming from. You know, we have some families who are really avoidant and they don't want to talk about death and they don't have any processing, no coping mechanisms. And so addressing that with those families is a lot harder than families who have like, and established, this is how I think about this. This is how I feel about this. This is how I talk to my kids about this. If they don't have those structures in place, it can feel very catastrophic. This is only happening to me. This is this is only something that's affecting my family. And that's that's a lot harder because I can't force you to p- pick a way to think about that, right? Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You spoke about so many things that are familiar right. to me. I'm glad for all the information. Yes, it's it's all good. And I am sorry about your loss of your father at 14. I was a, a little older, 23, but very mm-hmm. sudden Still, yeah. death. Yeah. And also I had just had my twins who were born prematurely. Gosh. So it was ridiculous timing yeah. and probably not so good for me emotionally. <laughs> <laughs> probably not. Yeah. it's it, Grief is definitely tricky and you have to like factor in, like you said, what stage of life are these people in? Do they have young children? Are they primary caregivers? Are they not primary caregivers? Right. Uh, what resources do they have and their families have? And what is, you know, like we also have cultural things mm-hmm. to consider and that's beside just how are you doing emotionally and how are you grieving and, and do you want to talk about this? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but I think for myself, I would prefer knowledge. So I think it's great to give those options because I think knowledge is just like huge and you can kind of recognize it and then walk yourself through the grieving process step by step, really, just because you can recognize what's happening in front of you. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I feel that most families really prefer to have at least some sort of, even if they don't want to talk about it right now, they're like, you know, I want to leave it, but let me leave this resource so I can see what's coming when I'm, when I'm ready. Mm-hmm, you know? mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. A lot. Sometimes you're just leaving it and letting them come to it when they're ready. Yeah. Yes. Definitely. Do you have any experience work-wise in helping uh, patients and families through pregnancy loss and grieving? Only my own. 
on the so, okay yeah same here worked in that arena yeah same here I've um I because I, I'm a postpartum nurse and mm-hmm. to be to be honest they when a person needed to have like a DNC or something at my hospital it, they never came to the postpartum unit because there's babies there you do not right. don't, stay away from that you, you don't <laughs> put people who had miscarriages on the postpartum floor so I never had experience in caring for people in miscarriage either however I've had my my own and I know a lot of people who have had them. They're very common, um, unfortunately, one in five people, and they can just happen for a lot of different reasons. Yeah. And just personally for me, it was sudden. It was weird. I had had the girls. I had had, they were twins, but they were preemies. So because of the twins, not any other reason. And then we wanted to have another child and I got pregnant and it was fine. And then boom, miscarriage. And it was about eight weeks. Mm -hmm. And then we tried again a year later and it was, I was 20 weeks and the baby actually passed like two weeks before that. So it was 18 weeks when it died. Mm -hmm. And then I had a DNC with that one. And after that, my OB was like, okay, like what's going on and did a whole bunch of labs and things. Turns out I have factor five Leiden. I need to be on blood thinners when I'm pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. So who knew? I didn't know. And also I was on estrogen-based birth control for seven years. Our stories are very similar. That's so scary. (laughs) A lot of women find this out this way. Unfortunately, they find out things about their health this way. And so then my third one was because we started the Lovenox too early. And then oh, I, got my, I got my son and now he's wonderful in 12 and he, I swear, wasn't going to come out even at 39 weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he took his sweet time. And so it all worked out and I'm glad to know that I have the clotting disorder because I've also passed it on to my daughters, but to find out that way is not fun. No, 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 definitely. Like I said, I've shared my experience with miscarriages and I know you you can share as much as you want or as little as you want, but as both of us who are healthcare professionals and we have experienced pregnancy loss ourselves, how did you find your, your job helping you cope? You know, the fact with the job that you do, how did that help you cope? First of all, I want to say as a healthcare system, I think that we have come a long way in caring for women who have, who are undergoing pregnancy loss, but I also feel like we have a really long way to go. Oh, yes. Um, I feel like, you know, back in the day, it was like, this is happening. And then it's hush hush and everybody treats you like it's hush hush and nobody wants to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And that is very isolating and very scary yes. and feels, you know, stigmatizing. And that, you know, we've come a long way in researching the causes of miscarriages and, and pregnancy loss. But I also think that the way that the, the way we train nurses and doctors to talk to women who are going through this loss, uh, it leaves a lot to be desired still. I agree. The only help that I got from undergoing this process is from the bereavement coordinator at May work. It was, you know, not from, and they have resources at these, at these centers, but the most that they do is like, Oh, here's a social worker if you want to. And, Mm -hmm. and, and maybe it's just my experience, but no, I would agree. Negative experiences, um, with, the kind of like post grief support groups when I lost my dad. And so 
Mm-hmm. And obviously I was a teenager and I was very young. Mm-hmm. That was a long time ago. And so it's, mm-hmm. it was different, but I just very much did not <laughs> want yes. to talk to a group of women who had been undergoing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I didn't want to sit with anybody who was going to be cheery and like talk to me like I was a child that really bothers me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm mm-hmm. sure it bothers everybody, but that oh, was yeah. like, the vibe that I yes. up with. And I think that treating women who are undergoing a loss like this as if they're having a loss is really important Mm -hmm. acknowledging that there's grief that comes with Mm -hmm. this um when you address a woman who's having a miscarriage and say oh well this happens to a lot of women like i'm sorry people experience loss every day that doesn't make it less impactful of what i'm yeah painful of what i'm going through Mm. Uh, and so i would say that the number one thing that my job helped me with is having a very established foundation of like how I think about death and dying and what I think about life and what does that mean especially coming um, I might get myself in trouble here but coming from a very religious background that shames a lot of pregnancy loss (laughs) yeah Um, yeah and and being able to say like oh hey like this is not something that I did you know and coming to terms with with my beliefs and feelings about what is a life and what isn't and Mm -hmm. how does this make me feel about needing to have a dnc needing to take an abortion pill because i did mm-hmm. i used to have to to clear mm-hmm. out um venal tissue uh, mm-hmm. and and that was all a framework that i had established because of dealing with grief in my job not something that the people who were responsible for caring for me were in any way equipped to walk me through mm-hmm. in any of those times. So it was more my job that, that helped the, you the cope with team. this than the care team. And yes. I mean, I would, I would likely agree. I didn't have horrible experiences, but at the same time, I don't know how old you were, but I think my age had a lot to do with it. I was in mm-hmm. my early twenties and I was just, I don't know something about that age group was just like, no, I got this, you yeah. know, because you're just yes. trying to be an adult, I think. And you're just like overly aggressive about how you can handle things. Maybe yeah. that's it. I don't know. But for me, I was just like, no, thank you. I have it under control. And do you mm-hmm. have a, you know, do you want the, do you want to have a burial? Do you want to have a, the information? No, 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 thank you. And I was just like denial, denial, denial. And that is absolutely not the way to go about it because right. like, you know, however many years later, that's still, that's going to come and bite you in the butt. Mm-hmm. But the people who were providing the care weren't finding out like what is her why why is she like this you know like they just let me keep my door shut let me just you know leave it alone leave me alone kind of a thing and my doctor made a mistake like I didn't want who wants to know what a baby that they I mean I don't know maybe people do if they're older babies mine were young young you know like not viable at all you know And so I was, I, yes, I thought that there were people, but I didn't want to know what this baby was, especially the oldest one that I had miscarried. And they sent everything to the lab to, you know, because as they do to check and make sure everything's fine genetically. And my OB who I love by the way, and she's still my OB to this day. She's been my OB for 17 years, but she is just like, not and I get it because in healthcare, we, this is our job, you know, like sometimes right. we can get so like lackadaisical about it and just like, it's something that we do every day. We see every day we talk, we like are exposed. And so it's almost desensitizing in a way, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate because that is not the way it should be. And I try really hard when I'm caring for women, not like I said, not with loss, but 
obviously postpartum women are emotional, um, to try to like put myself in their shoes as much as humanly possible. But my OB made the mistake of telling me in a voicemail that I had miscarried a healthy baby boy. And I'm oh, like, good. well, great. Yeah. Yeah, wonderful that he was healthy. Unfortunately, until he died. Until he died. Thank you. Right. Right. So, and I mean, I'm just like, you know, that was like a gut punch a person doesn't need. So it's like, I would agree with you. The healthcare system, and it is getting better. Um, but the healthcare system is does not address pregnancy loss as it should at all. No. No. Yeah, I, and the emotional aspect, and also like we're not even talking about the dads or the partners. Uh, and there's nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing. That was. I mean, my husband's a surgeon. He's in the healthcare field, just like I am. Um, and I mean, there wasn't even any offer to no for him to talk about. It. So then I felt, and this is not his fault. It's <laughs> very, very clearly he did not make me responsible for his grieving process. But I felt. Like I had to manage, not just, I mean, cause my, so we didn't get into my story and we can talk about it. Um, but I had five miscarriages in a row oh, and wow. the last one was the one that we finally thought like, this is it. It made it past 12 weeks. Things yeah. are doing fine. And just like you said, like with yours, mine mm-hmm. wasn't quite as far along, but it was 15 weeks and he'd been dead for two weeks. And, mm-hmm. um, so I already knew we had done genetic testing because we'd had so many before this. We were like really worried about it. No one would give me anything to try. To, I, they didn't want me to do progesterone. They didn't want me to do Lovenox. They didn't want me to do anything because we didn't have any evidence for any of this. Mm-hmm. Which I yeah, understand that you're like, like, you're but like there's I, five. Keep rolling why the aren't dice we, on this? Yeah, like why aren't we stats are bad. Let's figure Correct. this out. Yes, yes. yes. So um, and on this fifth one, and it just people knew like the I had I had one at one at eight weeks one at six weeks and three that were um so I've actually had six miscarriages but five were after my my live birth daughter and the the one before like it was like five weeks it it didn't really register to me you know yeah Yeah. Um, Yeah. and I had my daughter and then I had one at six weeks that was healthy one at sorry, one at eight weeks that was healthy, one at six weeks that had a trisomy after we did IUI, they did all the, and he, that one was non-viable and we found out really early. Okay. Um, and then two more chemical pregnancies that were like, you know, five weeks tops, mm-hmm. um, just positive pregnancy tests and then no more. And then the 15 week one. And um, that one we got past 12 weeks. So we had told everybody, we had told uh, the parents and we had told the people at work. And I, because we were in the process of moving from Michigan to Illinois and they had them was finishing fellowship. And there were just so many people that were aware of what I was going through. And so many people try to be so helpful, but a lot of times you end up feeling like you have to manage their grief as well. Oh yes. It's okay. I'm okay. Yes. Like you don't need to worry about me. Let's talk about you, which yeah. is just not oh, the I'm space. so sorry. And then you're immediately taking it on like, Oh no, you're everything's fine. Or they jump into their story about loss, which is again, wonderful. Sharing is great. We, we want to be open, but when somebody is in the immediate throes of loss, talking mm-hmm. about your loss is just mm-hmm. really, really not helpful. No. <laughs> like even if you've had a good outcome after, even if you've been through it, you know, because again, it's like, if you lost a family member, no, I didn't know this baby for very long. No, I didn't. But I hearing about 
the death of your dad does not help me process the death of mine when I am struggling. Mm -hmm. Right. So, Mm -hmm. um, there was a lot of that. And then circling back to my husband again, there's no resources for him. He's obviously struggling. He was very excited about this baby. It was a baby Mm -hmm. boy. He was very happy. He was very excited about that. Um, and then, you know, we're both up all night crying. We're both, you know, trying to go to work and trying to pull the pieces together and trying to parent our, our three-year-old at the time and explain to her what was going on and, you know, why mommy and daddy are sad and why, yes. why grandma's here and why is grandma sad? And, you know, she, that was another thing. She had known that I was pregnant. And so we had to set her down and tell her and, yes. and then process her grief through that whole thing, which obviously is very tricky. She's three. There's a lot of grieving processes that happen when you're three that don't happen when you're an adult, right? Um, and so when when you just leave women who've had a loss with with no resources for their partners, no ways to touch all their kids again. I was very fortunate. I work with grief. I work with death. I have resources to talk to my kid about this. I mm-hmm. recognize stress responses for what they are. <laughs> but even so, it was a very stressful time in my marriage. And we had jumped right into doing IVF after and, mm-hmm. you know, walking through that. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I remember very vividly my husband being like, I'm doing this with you. And I was like, then why do I feel like I'm doing it alone? And it was a horrible thing to say, <laughs> to right. say things like that to your husband. No. But it was uh, just, it was very, very rough knowing that I am the support system here. I am trying to hold all these things together. Um, but yet this happened to me, right? Like, mm-hmm. yes, it happened to everybody else, but it happened inside my body mm-hmm. and it happened I am the one with the hormones and the yes. weight and the, you know, everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yep. And I'm the one who's wanted children since God knows how long, and it's in my body. Like you don't understand the connection is different. Yes, yep. I I understand. My husband, like I said, I coped by denial, so mm-hmm. I denied all of his feelings too. We like everyday life just went on. We had twins, to be fair, so they keep life busy. You have to, yeah. Um, but they were only eighteen months at when my first miscarriage. There's no, they didn't even know I was pregnant, and there was no explaining that to a one-year-old exactly, even if they knew. But they didn't know, and they never knew. Um, when I had a miscarriage with the last one, I don't know. I am unsure how they didn't know I was pregnant because right. I was like 18 weeks, right? <laughs> right. You like look pregnant. At that I point. look pregnant at that point, but yeah. it was winter. So I was lucky enough to wear like large sweatshirts and stuff. And, you know, maybe mommy just was getting fat. Who knows? But they never, didn't notice anything. And that was my biggest fear with my son, my, you know, my rainbow baby was that they are four now. They're four and a half. They're going to be five when he's born. I can't. I can't even fathom explaining this to them. And that Mm -hmm. was like a huge fear for me. And honestly, it was a top fear. It was, it was, it was above my own grief, to be honest. Yeah. Because it's worse, it's it's worse to explain, to watch your child grieve something than it is to feel it yourself. Yes. Yeah. Any, and it's important, regardless of the grief that you're talking about, you want to explain things to children in concrete details. You don't want to use euphemisms. You don't want to lie because- Mm -hmm even if you're trying to protect their feelings, children are very smart. They know things, bad things happen. And unfortunately, especially if you're in the under four age group, they tend to think if something bad happens, if it hasn't been explained to them, they tend to think it's their fault for some reason. It's just a thing that, so we wanted to be very, very factual 
um, with my daughter very concrete. And what we said was that, you know, I know you know she had to be picked up from daycare from by a friend. We were in the hospital all night. It was just, you know, rough for everybody. Yeah, life was and, different and we had to right, explain why. Yes. Right. So I sat her down in the morning. I said, I know you know that mommy was in the hospital last night. And that's because they went to the doctor to check on the baby and there was no heartbeat. Um, and he, so his heart stopped working and he had stopped growing and he died and the doctors had to take him out. And that's something that, you know, it's still a lot to process it's for a still year old. so much. Yes. Right. Um, and the first thing she did was, react, you know, the first thing she did was like hit me and cry because she was three and she's angry and she doesn't yeah. know why she feels that way. Of course. Um, and so we had to talk about like, I know that makes you sad. Mommy's sad too. Mommy's angry too. Well, you can be angry at mommy. That's okay. And, you know, then realizing that once she processes through all these emotions, it's going to come up later. Oh, right? yeah. So you hear about it when, she, you know, we're crying and everybody's upset and she goes into like a little bit of regression. There's more tantrums and she's not telling you why. She won't tell you why. You just have to give her a little bit more grace than you would mm -hmm. uh, if she were just acting out because she's a three. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Like there was a time I, I brought this up in another conversation like this, but my mom was there helping us out and she had some popcorn and Reagan was my daughter. Reagan wanted some she would just try to take it from my mom and my mom said that I don't, we don't like that we don't do that with grandma and then Reagan got really upset and she was like I want popcorn it was like two days after right we'd been in the mm -hmm. hospital and mm -hmm. my mom went into the whole thing like we don't talk to grandma like that that makes grandma really sad and I like ran <laughs> you're ran like hold in. on a minute like this is not what's happening like so I picked her up and she's just like bawling. I was like, this isn't about the popcorn, right? Mm. Like this isn't about, and she's sad. And we have to talk about this. I understand that you're sad. I know that you really wanted to be a big sister. You really wanted a baby brother. And, and mommy's sad too. And, you know, we can get some popcorn. It's okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah, definitely. We'll get you some popcorn. Right. We'll get you some popcorn. It's mm -hmm. fine. And so, you know, obviously that conversation changes as you get older, but you know, even so, further down, I mean, my daughter's four and just, just turned four in November and I'm pregnant again. I'm, I'm 26 weeks. Thank you. <gasps> um, I know we're doing pretty good. I'm on Lovenux as well. Um, I don't have factor five, so they just, I'm just so excited. My girls were born. Yeah. <laughs> my girls were born at 28 weeks and I'm like, girl, you're fine. You're I'm fine. Good. Now. I'm fine. He's viable. You're he's okay. fine. Yeah. <laughs> and he's been kicking me this whole time. <laughs> oh, he's like, mom. Yeah. He's like, mom, you're talking about me. Oh, um, but amazing. Yeah. So there was a time I got pretty sick a couple weeks ago, right? It's just like, oh, my body hurts. And I just had to lay down for like three days in a row. And my daughter was getting all anxious and weird. And I was like, what's, what's wrong, honey? Like, what's going on? She was like, but is the baby sick too? <laughs> like, is, is his heart stopped beating? It's like, no, Aww, honey. Baby. No, he's okay. He's fine. Yeah. We just, you know, we, we went to the doctor and he's okay. And Aww. so addressing that those fears come up later yes you know and reassuring that's not just you that's anxious about baby it's you know it's, oh it's my important. gosh everyone's yeah anxious everyone's about anxious yeah yes yes definitely yes. yeah wow Whew. Uh, yeah I that was one of my questions is you answered it already was like how are you parenting her through grief and mm -hmm. Are there books and resources or websites for children like helping your children yes. process grief there are so many. Okay. Um, and that's so 
part of the reason that I get into podcasting is I write children's stories. That's on my podcast. Yes, is what I, I do. I forgot I read to tell the people stories. that. No, it's okay. You'll have you a write and illustrates people children's stories. Children's stories. Um, and I read them on my podcast and oh, um, great. I have some that are, you know, I hope to have a YouTube channel with the fully illustrated versions. Not all of them are like, let's talk about a hard subject, but some mm-hmm. of them address. I got a chance to guest star on a bedtime stories for children's podcast and they read my story happy pizza which is about what I talk about my loss in that story mm-hmm. and you know it from a child's perspective and oh so there's yeah it's and I've had multiple women who I know who've also been through loss with children and they're okay. like I love that story we talk about happy pizza all the time and um, yeah. so that one's not on my website yet but I'll give you okay. a link I'll email it to you perfect um, I'll put it in the show I'm notes done. it'll be yeah. in the show notes so as far as we're talking about literature, which is just, I think, so important if we help kids, if you can find yourself in literature, you can find a way to walk through whatever problem that you have, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's I a agree. huge coping mechanism of mine. So if you just like Google kids' books, grief, there are age-appropriate books from zero to 18 that walk you through grief. And I went through and tried to make a list and there's just so many, <laughs> like just Google it. Totally. Um, yeah. But I also have a list of resources specifically for kids who are experiencing grief. There's several different websites. One of them is like you can order a care package for the kids that are going through grief. One of them has talking points. One of them has support groups in your area. One has, uh, you know, network. So I'll send you all of those. You can include them. Yes, I will all put really, them in really show notes. I sure will. Um, yes. And then the other thing I'll say is that we have. I guess your kids are older, but we <laughs> people who have older. kids my age um, have been blessed to be parenting in the age of Bluey, and Bluey uh, is so amazing. When it comes I actually to hear about, about Bluey, yes, about but grief. Bluey, Bluey is, is very amazing. progressive, so progressive, progressive for parents, progressive for kids, progressive for grief. Bluey is Love amazing. <laughs> so yes, you, I've heard you know, this. Like, I think isn't there a miscarriage episode? Mm-hmm. Yes, there yes, is, yeah. I heard about that. Yes, yeah, yeah. I'm like genius. This is amazing. Yeah, it's it's just such a great resource for parents. So finding books, finding stories. And I think also you talked about how you were so avoidant and you're hoping when you were 23. Um, I don't think that's age dependent, but it is also very, because I was avoidant. It could easily just be Um, the way I cope with things. Right. I'm 36. I coped the same way when I was 14 as I do when I'm 36. So like I, it was, yeah, but it is a very teenage way to, to cope with grief is to shut down and be like, I don't want to talk to anybody about anything. You just leave me alone until I get through this. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times if you have somebody who's that's their coping mechanism, if you hand them a book about the thing that they should be coping, they're like, no, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want that. Absolutely. And so when you find something that touches on this, but it's not about this, it's yes. so helpful to have, you know, this character is going through things, yep. but that's not the point of the story because it's yes. not the point of our lives either, mm-hmm. right? No one is wanting to sit through life and think, gosh, my life is about getting through grief because it's not. No. Like, it's great. There's a lot of other things good to be happening in life and it's not my main journey to get through grief and identifying that coping mechanism in stories when it's not all about this one thing is Mm -hmm. so helpful right Mm -hmm. because life goes on 
So for children, like Harry Potter is really great with that because Harry goes, ah, oh, so many, so I many love things. Harry Potter. I mean, doesn't everybody in our generation really? Yes. <laughs> yes. Classic millennial. <laughs> I love Harry Potter. But he copes with the grief of his parents and he copes with the grief of his parents through his age groups, which is something that happens to kids who have lost parents. They process again and again and again mm-hmm. the loss that they've been through and he processes the loss of friendships and he processes this big bad world that he's living in but it's not necessarily mm-hmm. the point of his journey and that, I think that's mm-hmm. why so many people resonate with that story it can give them coping mechanisms without beating you over the head with them yes um, yeah definitely you're like entertained by the story but like mm-hmm. you can see yourself in the main character you can relate yeah. to the story and that is I see that's good for teenagers and slash people mm-hmm. who are in denial right <laughs> in general (laughs) in general how would you suggest partners support the person who is i mean they are experiencing the loss but the person who who is miscarrying or has miscarried i mean first and foremost i would say that it's kind of twofold recognize that no matter what stage you have this miscarriage and your body's going through a lot so i mean we're hoping everybody has supportive partners who are feminist and lovely but that doesn't happen Always. all the time no. you can't expect that your partner is going to jump up and keep the house clean and do the same child care that she was doing before because her body is in pain she's either gone through a massive abdominal procedure or she's taken medications that have made her have the worst period of her whole life she's processed potentially seeing fetal tissue in the toilet which is the worst thing oh, that has ever gosh. happened to me personally all of those things are very traumatic they hurt your body will not feel the same for a while expecting a body to function the same mm-hmm. uh, is not fair or right mm-hmm. so that's like a very basic need very basic yeah um, like i am i'm not okay treat me right. as if i had treat surgery because i, I did probably Ill. Right. I'm, I'm not a powerhouse. I can't do this without some downtime. And the other thing I would say is process your own grief the best you can, right? Recognize that your partner will want to talk to you. She will want to, if she can talk to you through these things, but your grief and and the things that you are going through are your responsibility. They're not hers. Mm -hmm. And however you need to deal with that, do it, you know, use your coping mechanisms, go to therapy, Therapy please men go to therapy right, please men. all men should all, like anyone Just everyone, but, anyone men everyone but men for real go to therapy and so the other podcast that i've been on that i talked about this with is a man named um abraham and he's a therapist and it was just so because it was a very different conversation but we talked a lot about how therapy can help with all of this and how we use literature and therapy and all that stuff but my point is therapy is great for everybody mm-hmm. and not just for the person who's had the loss but yeah. it's good for partners too because again your partner is not your therapist right which definitely is definitely. an important distinction those would be my big three all right <laughs> use your coping systems go to therapy and treat your partners if they have undergone massive all bodily right. injury which they yes, have they have <laughs> Yes. And not only that, they've, it's also a massive emotional, mental injury too. It's not just like, yes. oh, I had surgery. So I really appreciate your time. It has been so good talking to you. It's been on my heart to do a episode on miscarriage. I have a coworker who is, I suppose part of nurses are very open about this, but mm-hmm. she, which is kind of, is wonderful as it should be. Yes. But she recently experienced another miscarriage and I just was... <laughs> You know, so I wanted to do an episode because yeah. it's been on my heart myself. And October was pregnancy loss awareness month. So yeah. 
Uh, and then your message showed up in my inbox. So your timing couldn't have been better. Perfect timing. It's meant to be. It's meant to be. <laughs> what is your website again? My website is Open Window Stories. It's on Buzzsprout. I'll send you links. Uh, and I'll send you all the resources that we talked about. But thank you so much for having me. This is yes. Great. Yes. <laughs> Everyone, this is Meredith Goodwin, once again, a family palliative nurse practitioner who has, like me, experienced her own loss and and our, our losses definitely acknowledged. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you again. Thank you. I really appreciate your time. That was Meredith Goodwin, family palliative nurse practitioner. Thank you, Meredith, so much for being on, and thank you for being so open and sharing your stories. It is my hope with the Mommy Mentor to make moms and parents feel like they're not alone in this parenting game. It can be very isolating, and especially when the only people you talk to in a day are children. So I hope that if you saw yourselves in one of our stories, that you found comfort in it. If you'd like more information, resources that Meredith provided about grief and how to cope with it and how to cope with loss, there are links in the show notes. You'll also find information on her book. And if you would like more information on this podcast, you can find me on Instagram at mymommymentor. And my website is mommymentorpodcast.com. I look forward to hearing your thoughts on this episode. Please message me if you have any thoughts or questions or feelings about this episode. I would love for you to DM me on Instagram. And also, if you have any ideas or topics you'd like me to cover in future episodes, please, I am open to suggestions. You can message me on Instagram, mymommymentor. Have a lovely whatever time of day you're listening to this episode, and I will talk to you guys next time. Mm-hmm.